Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Staying with us, so we continue our coverage on COVID nineteen. Every absolutely every angle is at this point very very important because that is what is consuming all of us at the moment. So one of the things that's been um, you know of concern to many people is the burial of the deceased people who die of COVID nineteen. I know we don't have those massive numbers that we're seeing in other countries, but it's time, unfortunately, to start having those conversations now about what is appropriate, what it is that we should be doing, and how to better prepare ourselves in the event that we have a deceased, somebody who dies of COVID-19 in your own family. So Professor Johan Dempers, who is Head of Division of Forensic Pathology at the Stellenbosch University and the Western Cape Forensic Pathology Service, joins us on the line to just help us navigate this very sensitive discussion. A very good afternoon, and thank you so much, Prof, for joining us. Good afternoon, Tamara. It's a pleasure uh, to talk to you. Let's just start with classification of COVID-19, the death of somebody who has had COVID-19. Would we call it natural causes or not? Yes. Um, any any disease process that kills a person, um, such as influenza or COVID-19 or any um, uh, um, uh, infectious agent, is classified as a natural cause of death under South African law. And it's very important to understand that despite the, um, the precautions we need to take and despite the danger of this specific infection, it remains a natural cause of death. It's important because then I, I just want us to manage what is going to be flooding your way. There is no need for that body then to be sent for forensic pathology uh, assessment. Absolutely not. It is, of course, possible that um, someone dies from unnatural mechanisms while they are infected with the SARS coronavirus-19. And in those cases, obviously, um, it might still be an unnatural cause. A typical example will be someone who knows they're positive for coronavirus, but they commit suicide. In Ah. that case, it's not the virus that caused their death. It is the suicide. And that is the type of case that still needs to come to forensic pathology. But if someone dies from the virus and the viral infection, that is a natural cause of death, and the um, case does not need to be examined or investigated from a forensic perspective. Okay. Let's then talk about the fact that once the person has died, this is the body and it's dece- the person is now deceased. Is the body still contaminated? So the, the virus is, a, is an organism that obviously is living, and I'm using the term living uh, in inverted commas, within the body. It replicates and um, it, it maintains a metabolism. Um, and just because the organism dies doesn't mean, in other words, the human, doesn't the mean that the, that the virus dies immediately. So we um, are aware of the fact that the virus does survive in and outside the body, um, and uh, therefore the person is still infected from the perspective of the virus uh, being contained in body fluids, but also from the virus being deposited on body surfaces, just as it would be, for instance, on um, a piece of metal or an object outside of the body. So it is uh, definitely possible for the virus to be present on the body, in the clothing, on the skin, for instance. Uh, When we look at how the virus is transmitted, I think it's common knowledge at this point that the virus is transmitted by means of droplet spread. Mm. So in other words, as uh, we talk and as uh, we cough, 
and sneeze, um, viral particles are secreted um, in that secretion in either the spittle or uh, the secretions that we produce uh, when we blow our noses, for instance, and um, those little droplets, if they come into contact with uh, our mucous membranes, can cause the infection to be spread to another person. The uh, virus can also be deposited onto surfaces and by means of contamination, uh, by touching a surface on which the virus is deposited and then touching your face, eyes, mouth, and so forth, uh, the virus can also be transmitted. So in deceased individuals, obviously, um, they don't cough or, or spit or uh, you know, sneeze anymore, but the second route where the virus is present in the secretions and where the virus is present on the body can certainly account for transmission of the virus to um, an uninfected person. And this is important for the handlers of that body, and you've got some regulations around that. So, for instance, you are asking people to take, you know, extra measures in handling those bodies. Just give us those guidelines. So, yes, the Department of Health uh, thought it prudent, and uh, quite a few people have been working together as teams to try to give some guidance to the public in terms of how these cases need to be managed and of course it was important for the teams to look at not only the safety of the community as a whole but also the needs and requirements of certain parts of the community and of course I'm referring to certain religious groups that have uh, very specific uh, rites and rituals to be followed mm. and um, and with all of that in mind the uh, circular was released um, in, the, in March uh, on the handling of bodies as uh, so, a so-called circular H41 of 2020. Um, and this circular speaks not uh, only uh, to the management of, uh, of deceased individuals, but also uh, deceased individuals in different scenarios and environments, private and public health care and so forth, and also at home, as well as the movement of bodies over the country's borders. Um, it, it's not a long document, and yes. it is readily available. Um, I mean, I, I, let me let me touch on, 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 on some issues because I know that not everybody has got access to this document. I'm looking at it. One of the things that you is recommended is that, for instance, there is double bagging of the body. Um, that's the one thing. But also that it is sanitized. Yeah. Um, there is a recommendation here that I just want you to clarify. In in best case scenarios, there is an advice for the family or anybody who's not a specialist or a healthcare professional to just not touch the body. In other words, what sometimes happens, people come, family members come and wash the body and so on and prepare the body themselves, clothe it and all of that. The recommendation yes. at this point is for that not to happen. Yes, um, and, and I think it should be quite logical from my explanation of how the virus is transmitted. Um, potentially from the body and the body surfaces. Uh, so uh, the transmission of the virus is um, is a pretty straightforward thing. So if there is virus deposited onto a surface, uh, I'll be, you know whether it's a body or a, or a solid surface, uh, the virus is then transmitted on the hand of the person who touches the body and potentially you know onto their um, into their mouths or onto their faces where they can be uh, you know uh, infected. So if that transmission doesn't take place, then the, the, the virus cannot be transmitted. Um, we, the, the challenge to this, this, though, is you're talking about the transmission or non-transmission of um, something that's so tiny you can't see it. Mm. And for that reason, it was felt prudent then that one needs to be extra careful and actually limit not only, uh, you know, both the methods in place to, act, to, um, to limit the transmission, but also... 
um, trying to, uh, you know, not even toy with the, with the possibility of transmitting the virus because of the, the danger it holds. So the recommendation is that um, one must go as far as possible to isolate the body so that the infected surfaces are not exposed to anyone handling the body, firstly. And then secondly, also, if viruses are um, uh, exposed or if viruses are present on surfaces where uh, someone can transmit them, uh, to actually disinfect those surfaces and kill the viruses before they have a chance to, to create the infection or to cause the infection. There's also the tradition of people taking the body home, uh, even though, you know, it has been taken care of by the professionals. But sometimes there's a night visual or those kind of practices. The suggestion, again, in this particular recommendation is that that does not take place. Absolutely not. And um, I think the what, what the public must bear in mind is that uh, the decision and the recommendation for this it, it was not taken lightly and it uh, was done with full cognizance of the fact that there are different requirements for religious groups and so forth. It is also very firmly um, based on international guidelines. Now, you see, when, when these decisions are taken, they aren't just a group of people saying and thumb-sucking an idea of what we should and should not do. Uh, we look at international best practice, we look at guidelines, international guidelines, we look even at um, the classification of a virus, uh, and viruses or infectious agents are classified in terms of their biohazard levels. Um, and then, even in a virus infection like we have now, even though we know that these, the, 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 um, the agent that causes COVID-19 is genetically associated with other coronaviruses, it has its own peculiar way of presenting in humans or presenting the disease and, and we're sort of learning as we go along uh, but in the meantime we have to look at those international best practices and apply those best practices in a scenario that assures the safety of, of humans and society. Prof, if you don't mind, I'm going to open the lines 891 just in case there is anything that I haven't asked you that people need clarity on with regards to handling of the deceased. Um, so the recommendation is very simple that if, you know, you just don't take the body home, take it straight from the mortuary to the burial site. Uh, no handling of the body by family members and so on. It feels a little bit insensitive, but that's a recommendation. There is a further recommendation saying if possible, Cremation would be the best method to uh, to handle the the body itself. I'm just curious why we are seeing in many other countries there are these mass burial sites and cremation is not kind of something that has been exercised. So I I can't speak for different scenarios. I would assume that um, there are cultural issues yes. potentially with cremation and that um, you know financially maybe even cremation might be a challenge. Mm. Uh, uh, the recommendation is that people, if they did consider cremation, to follow through with that, but it certainly is not a prerequisite yes. for the disposal of the remains. Sure. It's, it's an interesting one. Do we have enough undertakers who understand the procedures? So you can imagine that um, this is the first time in South Africa we're dealing with this type of outbreak and um, the implications of the outbreak, and even in many other countries, it's also the first time they're dealing with it. So, as I've said before, we are actually dealing with the challenges as they come along. And what the Forensic Pathology Services have said, even though this falls somewhat outside of our mandate, is in the interest of humanity and uh, you know society, we will form an integral part of um, the body of uh, expertise that 
uh, is to prepare to train undertakers and uh, to get undertakers to also conform to the wearing of uh, p- protective clothing and to handle the bodies appropriately. And that, that has been going on. Mm. I'm not exactly certain of the answer to your question as to whether there are enough mm. undertakers. All I know is that there are undertaking firms, uh, and in fact most are getting on board with, uh, with learning how to handle these bodies safely and so as to not to expose the families and um, employees of the company. I also understand this is also not your role. I get that. But I'm wondering, you know, we need some sort of buy-in as well from communities. If by any means we have community leaders, I don't know, chiefs and so on, who are going to transfer this knowledge and this understanding to the communities down there because it, it would feel insensitive. But it's certainly something that we all need to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely, and we we see also the um, the responsibility to interact with uh, with community leaders and with people who are prepared to to do training, uh, people who are prepared to um, disseminate the word out there as to how to handle bodies and how to handle the issues um, very strongly. So people are more than welcome to contact us with any queries or questions they might have in terms of this, and we we should be able to direct them in the right direction. Is there anything, Prof, that I've left out that you think is a very important message to send out? Um, no, I think I think one needs to be um, logical and sensible about um, the handling of the deceased. I think the public needs to understand that uh, we have looked very, very carefully at, at personal, religious, and uh, cultural interests, and that uh, the recommendations that were made, made weren't made lightly. Uh, we understand um, the challenges. We understand the issues that might arise, but uh, the recommendations are for the greater good. Um, and there's a very specific reason why these recommendations were made. Professor Johan Dempers, Head of Division of Forensic Pathology at Stollenbosch University and the Western Cape Forensic Pathology Service. Thank you very, very much for explaining all of that and breaking it down for us. And uh, I will take your calls on 891 your reaction to that. I, we live in very, very different times. I think my word, um, you know, just the idea that um, what traditionally would have been, I suppose, your sometimes your last, uh, you know, last rites being performed on your loved ones, sometimes just your closure to go and see the deceased and, you know, do what you need to do, clothe them and all of that. All of that has got to change now. All of us have to adjust to a new way of doing things. And I'm just wondering emotionally what that must feel like for families who've had to deal with the deceased who, are, who, who died of COVID-19. Uh, it must be the most difficult experience because that, that connection, that closure at this point is not something that we are privileged to have. Once the person has passed on, the suggestion and the recommendation is that you just don't go near the body. You, we are not, we're not supposed to go near the body. We're not supposed to be touching the body. Um, the body shouldn't be coming home. All of that, a lot of it to do with how we have learned to mourn uh, our loved ones, how we have learned to cope with the loss of our loved ones. So it's going to be very, very difficult for us, I suppose, as as a people to 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 come to terms with with how things have to be now. I, I just really would love your reaction on this one. 0891-104-207. Really living in interesting times. It's 23 minutes after two o'clock. I did say I'm going to take your calls and I'm also going to take your voice notes as well. Um, if you do want to send us a voice note, I will 
will do that if you want to send an SMS I'll also take that your reaction to that it is really difficult times and it's very very different times and I think anybody who is in denial about where we are at the moment is is not serious um, we we have to adjust ourselves and unfortunately we have to learn very quickly and adjust ourselves very very quickly I'm taking those calls 891 104 207